1: He is warning us like he warned Noah. Tell everyone that judgment is coming, that these are the signs of the times.
2: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. Today we are going to be in Genesis chapter 10 and 11 in a message titled, Having It Our Way.
1: Have you ever thought what your life would be like if we had it all our way what if we won the lottery and we could afford to live in the lap of luxury living the life of promise and total privilege a place that was filled with nothing but open doors well we hear a lot about privilege today but like most of you i never had that type of life when i was growing up my wife and i had to work for everything that we have as a kid nothing came to me on a golden platter If I wanted something, I realized, hey, I'm gonna have to work for it. I would mow people's lawns, I would pull their weeds, I would wash their cars, I'd do just about anything to make a little extra money when I was a kid. I can remember when my wife and I first got married, all I came into the marriage is with me. I had my clothes, I had one pair, imagine that one pair of shoes. And and that's it. I had an old junker car. My wife, they had she had her clothes. I think she had more than one pair of shoes. She had at her bedroom set that she had as a little girl growing up. That's all we had to sleep on. She had a green beanbag chair, and she had a Montgomery Ward stereo. Now I dated myself with Montgomery Ward stereo because people I was telling telling somebody that, and they said. What's a Montgomery Ward stereo? I, well, it, it was a store, you know, a, a store. I go, yeah, like a JC and like, And they're like, what is that? So I realized I was dating myself with that. But nonetheless, that's what my wife came into the marriage. That's all we had. So we had a one-bedroom apartment that was pretty much empty, okay? But it had me and her. And then, of course, we ate on a cardboard box that we turned upside down on the floor with a sheet over it. And let me tell you, I used to hate sitting on the floor. I hated that. When we bought this used dinette set for 65 bucks, I thought, I am the king of my castle. I can sit down and eat at a table. It's like we were so appreciative of that stupid little, you know, formica top, table that we had bought for 65 bucks because we didn't have to sit on the floor anymore. I remember when we went to Israel, remember when we went to Abraham's tent and it was like, you know, we're going to, you know, be as Abraham was when he was sojourning in the wilderness. And then we had us eating lunch on the floor and I'm thinking, man, this is worthless. I want to sit at a table. Hey, Abraham, nice meeting you, but let me go to a table for lunch. Anyway, most of our friends around us, though, when me and my wife got married, because, you know, we were young and everyone was getting married around us, their parents were spoiling them, which wasn't a bad thing, that is, if you were them, but for my wife and I, our parents weren't giving us anything. We weren't on the receiving end of those blessings, but yet God always had a way Of blessing us. He always had a way of giving us more than what we deserved. And I'm so thankful now, looking back on it after being married for 41 years. I'm looking back and saying, man, I was so glad that we went through that strain and all of that struggle because I can say without a doubt, and my wife would agree with me, that all we have today has been given to us by the hand of our gracious Heavenly Father. Amen. And, and why can I say that? Because when my wife and I got married, we were part of God's family. We became his son and his daughter. I like what it says in Romans eight fifteen. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption by sons which we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's the relationship we have with God. It's not some religious relationship. It's not through some stained glass window or some piece of jewelry that's worn around the neck. We have a relationship with God as his son and his daughter and we can call out to him, Abba Father, which means like in the simplest of terms, it's like Papa, our daddy, that's who he is to us. What a revolutionary statement. The God of creation to the believer is our Papa. He's our daddy, he's our Abba. Know this, we are not orphans. Many of you have parents that love you, which is great. It's awesome. Yet there's others of you that have received very little from your parents. Some of you are from broken homes like I am being raised, or maybe you're being raised by a single parent or a step parent, while others of you have lost a parent or both parents. My wife and I have both lost our mothers. But wherever you find yourself today, Understand, God knows where you are and He knows who you are, and He has never, ever lost track of you, nor will He ever, ever lose track of you. He's intimately acquainted with all of you in all of your ways. But now, as we continue in our study through the book of Genesis, we ended last time with Noah's ark and it landing. And the people that were on that ark survived the judgment of God. They came upon humanity, that judgment did, it came upon humanity for their wickedness. But yet Noah escaped the wrath of God because he had found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah became a preacher of righteousness in his time and in his culture because his time and culture had embraced total wickedness. So Noah proclaimed the coming judgment and he obeyed God by building an ark, this huge boat that would carry his family and the animals to safety. Noah took, listen, 100 years to construct the ark. He was, it was a constant reminder for 100 years as he was building his giant boat around where there was nowhere to set sail with it. And it was a constant reminder to those that were living that judgment was coming, that this judgment that Noah was talking about was gonna surely come, just like God had spoken it. Now, listen, hundred years, he's building the ark. hundred years, people are coming by. No, what are you doing? I'm building a giant boat. What are you, what are you building a giant boat? There's no water around here. It's like, I'm building because God's going to judge the world. And the way he's going to judge the world is he's going to rain down water upon the earth so much so that everyone's going to drown. Then they all mocked him and they laughed at him and they didn't believe. A hundred years of preaching, God is going to bring judgment and nobody listened. God's favor was out upon mankind. His grace and his mercy was reaching out to him, yet man chose not to believe. Well, listen, just like Noah obeyed and became that preacher of righteousness, God has given us the same message that he gave to Noah. Tell people that my judgment is going to hit the earth, that there is going to be a judgment for the wickedness of man. We are living in the last days. And Jesus said this to those that are living in the last days. He said in Matthew chapter 24, after he was asked of his disciples, what would be the signs of the end of time? So Jesus responded to his own disciples and he said this in Matthew 24, 4. He says, see to it that nobody misleads you. Because there's going to be all kinds of false messaging going on especially here in the end times. We even have, quote, Christians, they're progressive Christians, that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. What's a progressive Christian? I wonder if this would describe anyone here today. Oh, it's like, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I carry my Bible. I say, praise Jesus. I say that I'm a Christian. Yet your lifestyle embraces the very culture that you live in. You don't call any of the things that are happening in our culture sin. Oh, God just loves everybody. And we can live however we want because God is love, right? It's like, uh, excuse me. Yes, God is love. But there is a radical judgment that's coming to those who are still living in sin. And what is sin? Everything that was sin 5,000 years ago is still sin today. Nothing has changed there. So a progressive Christian will say, I'm a Christian, but uh, I'm a Christian, but, well, you know, God still loves, but, and it's like, yes, I believe that it's okay for a woman to have her choice, even though we're killing the baby that's inside of her, because, well, it's a woman's right, right? So uh, I'm a Christian, but God is okay with this, and and God is okay with this, and we've changed laws now, and this is legal, and it's like, hold on, what has God said? God's word will never change ever, ever change. So he says, see to it that no one misleads you. He says that in verse four. He repeats this four times in the Olivet Discourse. Chapter 24, Matthew, there's only one thing that he repeats and he repeats it four different times. And it's about those that have come and they will mislead you. They will have some other type message. He says it again in verse five. He says it again in verse eleven. He says it again in verse twenty-four. In verse six, he says, "And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of war." Verse seven, he says, "For a nation will rise up against nation, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes." Verse twelve says, "And because of lawlessness, and because it's increased, most people's love will go cold." Yes, know this. Notice the first thing that Jesus said was that no one miss. Lead you again that word mislead in the original language means don't let them lead you astray from the truth of god's word by the way of seduction and deception well it sounds good well i feel this in my heart well hold on doesn't matter how you feel what does god's word say Today in America alone, there's five thousand active belief systems, including the godless progressive movement within the Christian church itself. Be careful not to be swooped away inside of it. Then, second, Jesus said that there would be wars and rumors of wars in the end. Right now, as you know, the world is at war within itself, between law and order and complete and total chaos. We see this happening in our cities. And notice in these cities where they're, you know, rebelling and corrupting they're saying, we need to burn this whole institution down and start over again. They're burning the American flag. And what else are they burning? Bibles. That's right. Hmm. I wonder if there's a connection there yes cities are losing this battle with defund the police third jesus said this he said there would be famines according to the united nations report 21 million people are in crisis right now in four different countries the congo yemen north nigeria and south sudan and then fourth jesus pointed to earthquakes. Now, the org, which keeps control or keeps track, I should say, of all the earthquakes in the world, he says this, in the last 10 years, we've been averaging about 15,000 earthquakes every year. Now, they're keeping track of every little tremor. They're keeping track, and most of these are small, granted, but still, there's a lot of seismic things that are happening. Fifth, Jesus said lawlessness would increase. We have senseless shootings. All over America, again, with this whole push for defund the police, we have crime in our major cities up 200% in New York alone. Chicago and Baltimore are off the hook, can't even keep track of how many shootings they have every single weekend as progressives push defunding, again, the police. We have riots. We have looting. We have robberies. All hitting record numbers. Jesus also said in Luke 21, 11, that in the last days, plagues and diseases would rise at an unprecedented rate. We've had what in the last you know, 20 years? We've had the West Nile virus. We've had mad cow disease. We've had the bird flu. We had the swine flu. Gee, we're running out of animals and name these things after, okay? And now we have coronavirus. Don't forget, 35 million people have died of AIDS globally you know there's still no cure for AIDS we have drugs that can sustain you but there is no cure for AIDS and of course you don't hear about AIDS hardly anymore because the, the gay lobby doesn't want it to be known because you know they just want to sweep that number under the carpet but think about it 35 and that's what's only reported 35 million people dying from AIDS that's still a major issue. Yes, Jesus said in the end, there would be wars, there would be famines, there would be earthquakes, and there would be diseases. Jesus also said in verse 37 and also in Luke 17 that they would be like in the days of Noah and in the days of lots. In both those places, God destroyed everything. Obviously, we've looked at Noah's time. They embraced what? Wickedness. No one was staying married anymore. It was divorce. We see 52% of all marriages in America ending in divorce. We see sexual perversion in those cultures and society. That's what we see here today. Genesis 6-5 said the thoughts of man were wicked continually, which led God to say that he was sorry that he even made man, which caused his judgment to flood the earth, saving only this one family, Noah and his sons. And here we are now in the 21st century, And not much has changed. God also said in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, that in the last days, man's knowledge would increase. Listen, they weren't vegetables back then. They weren't vegetables when you go back to the earliest man that we can trace. They weren't like cavemen. Yes, me don't know how to make toast. Hmm, okay, me a caveman. No, no, they were building the pyramids back then. They were intelligent. How did they build this kind of stuff when they didn't have modern machinery? But they did. They were intelligent. But look at what's happened from the beginning of time all the way up to 150 years ago. Nothing really changed. But then 150 years ago, all of a sudden, things started changing. Why? Because we're in the last days, and man's knowledge started increasing 100 years ago. So we're producing cars and motorcycles and this and trains and all of these things, you know, 110, 120, 130 years ago. Everything radically started changing 50 years ago. Oh, my goodness, everything is insanely changing now in the last 20 years. Oh, my goodness, technology, you can't even keep up with it. I remember when me and my wife got married, the thought of having cell phones, Like, that wasn't even a thought. Like, it didn't even enter your mind that you'd be walking around, you could be anywhere, and have a cell phone. Now, not only do we have cell phones, but we have smartphones. I mean, my phone? Oh, my goodness. I have every message I've ever taught since, like, 1998 on my phone. I mean, I can pull up hundreds of messages on my phone. I mean, it's like everything in my computer's in my phone. It's like the the first computer that me and my wife bought, my phone has like a 100 times the memory that our first computer had. It's just, it's insane where things are going. Why did Jesus say all of this? He is warning us like he warned Noah. Tell everyone that judgment is coming, that these are the signs of the times. Amen. Now, the Bible doesn't give us an exact date when Jesus is going to come back, but it started with this at the beginning of Matthew 24. He says, here's where it's going to start. He says, see the temple? Because they were all on the Mount of Olives, looking over the you know, Kidron Valley, over to the stonewall city of Jerusalem. And you can see the temple mount. Jerry. Do you remember when we were in Israel and we were on the Mount of Olives and you just look right over there and there's the Dome of the Rock sitting there because the temple wasn't there anymore. But it's like, but they're going to rebuild the temple. We stood right where they're going to rebuild the temple because Revelation 11 says in the last days the temple will be rebuilt. But there they were standing on the Mount of Olives with Jesus and say, look at the temple. Isn't it so beautiful? And he says, not one stone will be left out with being not destroyed. And it was just 37 years after Jesus spoke those words that Rome came by being led by General Titus and he came in and destroyed Israel. He destroyed Jerusalem. He burned it to the ground, chased all the Jews out of their own homeland in 70 AD. The Jews didn't want the the Romans to come in and desecrate their temple, so they lit it on fire. And when they lit it on fire, it was burning inside and all the gold that was all on the beams because they had the thing pretty much you know, soaked in gold inside. The gold ran down, stepped into the foundation of the stones. So the Romans, in order to retrieve all of the gold, tore the temple apart completely. When they tore the foundation stones, they threw them over the side of the southern wall. And then there, just like 40 years ago, they excavated that down and they found the original stones to the temple that Jesus would stand in. And those temple stones are still there to this day. I have a picture on my phone with me standing in front of them. And so, again, the Bible says in Ezekiel 37 that in the last days he will regather his people to their homeland again and he'll pour his spirit out upon them 1878 years after 70 AD on May 14th 1948 God gave his country back to his people again on May 14th 1948 and that's why Israel stands as a nation once again just like it says would happen In the last days. Well, with all of that, just to say, listen, there was a job that Noah had. We have the same job today because the earth will come and be destroyed again with God's judgment because of the rebellion of humanity, just like it was in Noah's day. So, today, though, we're going to consider three points in light of our title, Having It Our Way. Number one, the recording of nations. Chapter 10 of Genesis is one of those chapters that when you're having your devotional time in the morning, yes, God, speak to me this morning through your word. You don't want to be reading Genesis 10 because it's just a genealogy of this name after this name. And you're just thinking like, I got nothing out of this this morning. Thank you, Lord. It's like, you know, uh, there was just nothing there. But we're going to realize that there's actually a lot there. So we're going to look at that recording of nations number two looking at a man there was a man that was rising up to say follow me in his rebellion towards god and then number three we're going to look at a tower of doom this is not a new ride at disneyland this is the original tower of doom yeah so let's look at our first point the recording of nations as we read what we normally would skip but we're going to take time to look at it genesis chapter 10 verse 1 Now these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah. The sons and sons who were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, and Magog, and Madai and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz and Ratath and Tagorma, And the sons of Javan were Elisha, and Tarshish, and Kittim, and Dodium. Uh, from these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into the lands. Everyone, according to his language, according to their families, into the nations. Verse 6 The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, and Havilah, and Sapta and Rama, and Sabtika. And the sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. Verse 8, now Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Verse 10, the beginning of his kingdom was Babylon, Erech, and Akad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. From that land he went forth to syria and built nineveh and rehoboth ur and calah and resin between nineveh and calah that is the great city so you can see there, we'll stop there. If you would have had that in your morning devotions, you would have been saying, that's nice. Let me go get on my scooter and take a ride. But uh, anyway, but uh, well, Noah died in chapter nine, obviously. We looked at that last time. And I don't usually read a list of names in genealogy and butcher them like I butchered these. But these descendants of Noah here in chapter 10 is the beginning of the entire human race on planet earth let's not forget everyone was destroyed except for this one family so we can trace all of our heritages right back to this moment we all came through Noah's sons and his wives which of course descended from Adam and Eve and their son Seth so which makes us you guessed it their descendants also. So think about that. Every human being on the face of the earth today is ultimately related. Although we might look A little you know look around us and say uh yeah i i I don't think so no we've got people all over because core church is one of the most diverse churches you're ever going to see on the planet so you're thinking like man there's people here that their ancestors from are, are from every continent on planet earth today so you're thinking no i i don't think we're all related but yet We are. We're all made in the image of God, first of all. We know that. And that's why there's no room for any prejudice or any bigotry whatsoever. This knowledge can be very awe-inspiring, actually. I mean, think about that. Every great and mighty hero that's ever lived has come from the same roots as us. We will see how and where all the different nationalities came from yet this by no means suggests that there is a brotherhood of man well we all been made in the image of god so therefore we're all going to get to heaven one day in mind through many different roads that lead up to god but you know it doesn't matter which way you take we're ultimately going to get back to where we began and somehow all those roads will eventually lead to heaven uh no Why? Because just like we can all be traced back to Adam, we can also all be traced back to the fall of man.
2: That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on ios and android core church is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of core church la if you have been blessed by this program consider supporting our radio ministry by texting core church la one word that's core church la to 77977 and remember there's a god in heaven who loves you